Open your Bible tonight to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 19. Luke, chapter number 19, and I must appreciate you coming back tonight. I really, really do. Thank you for taking time out of your life, out of your activities, out of your television to come tonight to the house of God. Sincerely, I appreciate that. And let me encourage you. I hope you'll invite somebody this week. Well, it just isn't a good week with the, with the disease. Oh, no, no, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Tough week to get folks saved. Uh-huh. Yeah. Think with me. The greatest revival, one of them in the history of the church, Pentecost. Everything was just rosy, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. Leaders taken out and crucified. One of the top men in the church, Peter, cusses and swears and denies the Lord. They all become cowards and run and hide. It couldn't have been worse, friend. It couldn't have been worse. But pretty soon they got with God's program, and one of the greatest revivals in the history of the church happened. Why? Because they got their heart right with God and went out and invited and witnessed and shared. It couldn't be any worse than that. Think of that. The leader is crucified. And the disciples said, we're through, we're quitting, we're done. But bless God, they got their heart right, and what a what a what a encouragement that is. So let me encourage you. Try to invite somebody, bring somebody, but pray much for the services this week. Luke chapter number 19, verse number 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, we was to pass that way, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with the man that's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, for I have taken anything from any man by false accusation I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. Stop, stop, stop. What does Jesus tell Zacchaeus? This day, right here, right now, today, you become a Christian. Understand that. The Bible talks about a time and a place salvation. You don't grow into it. You don't learn about it. It's a decision you make. Your Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Again, it's a time and a place. Salvation is called what? The new birth. Now, I'm sure most of you have average intelligence. You tell me the day you were born physically. You can. With some of you, it's probably the late 1800s. Anyway, you the other day you were born physically. Now, follow me, please. Just as definite, there's the day you were born spiritually. August the 12th, 1958, I received Christ as my Savior. That is my spiritual birthday. Now, let me ask you, can you point to that day? Again, you don't grow into it. You don't learn. You can go to hell with a head full of knowledge. Yeah. But it's a decision you make. After you know what you should do, you make that decision and invite Christ into your heart, and that is Bible salvation. Now, look at your Bible. Verse number 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
When Jesus Christ, God's Son, left heaven, arrived on planet Earth, He came primarily for two reasons. First of all, to die on the cross for our sin. Your Bible says, Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Christ was born to die. Christ was born for execution. One reason He came was to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. Reason number two Christ came, verse number 10, Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Christ come to what? To be a soul winner. You say, Brother Mark, hey, man, I'm following Christ. Question, when's the last time you saw a sinner? Let's not play games. Yeah. Christ came to seek and to save the lost. If you're following Christ, you have to do the same. You have to witness. However your way is, witness. Give them the track. Give them your testimony. Give them the gospel. But Christ lived to get folks saved. Hear it. Died to get folks saved. Time out. He even stopped dying long enough on Calvary to point a thief to Christ. Soul winning, the life of Christ revolved around soul winning. Are we really following Christ? Number one tonight, very simple. First of all, the seeking Savior. If I find out how Christ sought people, it might help me to be more proficient in seeking people. Number one, first of all, he sought people persistently. You see, every time in the four Gospels, you find Christ primarily He's trying to point someone to God. Goes to the well, get a drink of water, meets a woman, points her to God. Going down the road, a beggar cries out. He goes over, points him to God. At midnight, a religious leader comes and knocks on the door. He points him to God. When God's son walked on this earth, his main thrust, his outstanding priority was to point people to God. Now, what do we do this? Two ways. Number one, first of all, we do it persistently. Being persistent in witnessing, Persistent inviting is God's way, first of all, to get a crowd. Let me explain it to you, okay, from your Bible. In Luke 14, a man made a supper. The supper is a symbol in that parable of salvation. He sends the servants out. They go out. They invite and invite and invite. They come back and said, Lord, nobody wants to come. What did Jesus say? Hey, guys, you gave it the old college try. That's all you can do. Just let it burn in hell. No. What do you say? Go again. They went out, they come back, they say, hey, Lord, Lord, guess what? We got a few, a few. Was Christ satisfied with a few? What do you say? Go again that my house may be filled. Now, that is God's key to filling the church this week. But invite somebody. Invite somebody else. Invite somebody else. And then you stay at it. Don't quit. If you're married, I'm going to use the word. You know what it means, buddy. Yeah. The word is nag. Yeah, you know what that means. I see smiles. That's right. Yeah, you know. Your wife has a suggestion. Then she reminds you of that suggestion. Then she reminds you again. And pretty soon to get her off your back, you say, that's a good suggestion. We'll do it. Now, that same thing works in, in, in revival. I've seen people come to revival one night, get some radical fundamentalist off their back. They come, hear the gospel, and get saved. Why? Because that Christian was not willing to surrender that soul to the fires of hell. Being persistent gets the job done. Many years ago, I went to the Missionary Baptist Temple in Franklin, Ohio. I was there Monday through Sunday. I arrived in town Monday. On Tuesday, Pastor Bates and I went soul winning at a, a new subdivision. We went up. First store we knocked on, a lady opened the door, raised both hands, and said, don't say a word. I know who you are. I know where you're from. I know what you want. Brother Bates said, you do? She said, yep. You all are from the Missionary Baptist Temple. You're having a revival, and you want us to come. She said, that is fantastic. Ma'am, how do you know that? She said, how do I know that? 
My, I wonder how I know that. You two gentlemen on number 18 and 19 have knocked on our door inviting us to revival. Yeah, when somebody knocks, we know somebody from your church inviting us to revival. Number 18 and 19. So now, we don't go to church. We're not religious. At breakfast this morning, we got talking. Wednesday night, we're going to come down there and see what's happening. I'll go ahead of the story. They came Wednesday night. They found out. They walked the aisle and got saved. Yeah. I mean, it was like that all the way through. Every door we knocked on. Hey, I know you're having a revival. I know all about it. Yeah. Some people want to give us a little flyers back. I already got three. You take them back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what happened, huh? Missionary Baptist Temple running 400, Franklin, Ohio. The closing Sunday, you ready? 912 people there. I preached a simple gospel message, give the invitation. 37 people walked down the aisle and got saved. Why? Because they didn't invite one time and quit. No. They were persistent in witnessing. What your Bible say? In due season, we'll reap if. The if is not about the reaping, if we faint not. The if is about being faithful in inviting and faithful in trying to get folks to come to revival. Number one, first of all, being persistent is how you get a crowd. Number two, being persistent is how you get folks saved. Uh, I'm thinking of the Bible now. Converts, converts. When I went to seminary, shocked you, didn't I? You didn't think I went to school, did you, huh? I'm going to tell you something, buddy. I are well-educated. I are. I've, I've, I've got some degrees beside my name. Anyway, I went to seminary. I walked into Highland Park Baptist Church for the first time. There sat probably four or 5,000 people. Dr. Robertson preached, gave the invitation. Sunday morning, I saw 23 people walk down the aisle and got saved. I never saw that before. I was excited. Ready? Sunday night, I went back. Guess what? Lee Robertson preached, gave the invitation. Sunday night, 13 people walked down the aisle and got saved. Wednesday, I went to prayer meeting. Nothing happens at prayer meeting. Guess what? What didn't happen was I couldn't find a seat. I couldn't find a seat. I looked everywhere. Finally, I did find one in the back. Lee Robertson preached on prayer meeting. Give the invitation. Prayer meeting night, 11 people walked down the aisle and got saved. I thought, man, this is exciting. This is great. And then Thursday came, and the blessings were all over. Because on Thursday, school started, okay? Now, Thursday night, I'm home. Got a big pile of theological books I'm trying to figure out. Knock on the door. I opened the door. There was a man, his wife. He said, how do you do, sir? He said, we're from the Highland Park Baptist Church. We noticed you're new in the neighborhood. Just drop by to say howdy. I said, come on in. They came in. They sat down. We talked a while. He said, son, if you were to die, do you know you'd go to heaven? I said, yes, I do. I've received Christ. Man, they were friendly people. They were concerned people. We're sitting there talking, having a great time of fellowship, and a knock on the door. I went to open the door. And I said, hello. He said, we're from the Highland Park Baptist Church. Last Sunday, he said, you were kind enough to come and see us. Tonight, he said, I thought we'd be kind enough to return the visit. I said, yeah, come on in. I went in the kitchen, got two more chairs. This guy is on a mission. He sat down, looked me right in the eye. He said, if I take this gun out of my pocket and blow your brains out, do you know you'd go to heaven? That is called the direct approach, all right? I said, sir, I got enough brains to know I'd go to heaven because I've accepted Jesus Christ. These people are wonderful. They're concerned. They're excited. We're sitting there. I went over and parted the curtains and peeked out. On the front porch, there were two men. One man had a great big family Bible under his arm. Now, I went over. I got a hold of the door. I flung it open. I said, I know who you are. He said, you do? I said, yes, I did do. You're from the Highland Park Baptist Church, ain't you? He said, yeah, we are. I said, come on in. We're having a reunion in here. Yeah. 
So they came in, they sat down, asked me the same question, got the same answer. You say you drive people away. Yeah, you'll drive them away from hell and drive them into heaven with witnessing like that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Man, I'll tell you, that's what it takes. Consistency, persistency. That is how you get, few people get saved the first time you witness to them. Now, thank God there are some. But most people, you got to stay with it and witness and do what you can. Number one, he sought people persistently. Number two, I like this. He found people that were prepared, the seeking Savior. He sought persistently, and he found people. I hear it all the time. Brother Mark, nobody wants to get saved. Uh, you ever read your Bible? Well, you ought to. It'll encourage you. It will. It'll encourage you. Let me give you an example. Zacchaeus right here. If anybody's, not ever, if anybody's going to hell, it has to be Zacchaeus. Why? He's a tax collector. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay. Here's Zacchaeus. What happened? He climbed up in a tree. He was so desperate to get saved. He climbs up in the tree. Probably the least likely guy in Jerusalem. They thought would ever get saved. What happened? Christ called him down. He got saved. Who else in the Bible got saved? Well, my friend, Matthew. Again, Matthew was a tax collector. Yeah, he specialized in the hard cases, you know. He walks by the tax collector's office. Matthew says two words, no big debate. He said, hey, follow me. The Bible says straightway, immediately. Matthew arose and followed Christ. No argument. He was waiting for someone to invite. Who's waiting on you? A co-worker, a family member, to say, hey, can I show you how to get saved? Hey, would you like to come to revival? Who else in the Bible got saved immediately? Oh, yeah, the eunuch. Yeah, the eunuch there in, in, in the book of Acts. Immediately, immediately got saved. You see, my friend, Peter. Andrew goes to Peter and said, we found the Messiah. He come and saw and got saved. Why don't you stop lying to yourself? Nobody wants to get saved. I can prove to you that's a lie. Why? Because you wanted to get saved. That's right. You destroy your whole argument. You say nobody wants to get saved because you wanted to get saved and you did get saved. And there are people today, they're not waiting on God. They're waiting on you to give them the plan of salvation that they might be saved. Many years ago, I had a revival in, uh, in, in Wisconsin. The pastor said there's a call we ought to make. He said, now this guy is different, but he said, we'll give it a shot. But at the edge of town, there was a great big building Okay, and no sign on front. I thought, I thought, what is this? We went out, opened the door, stepped inside. There was no sign because it was a huge wholesale carpet business. So I didn't have a sign he didn't want to sell to public. We walked in, and all of a sudden, a short, heavy-set fellow got up and come out, and the pastor said, Joe, this is Dick. Now, Dick was a full-blooded Italian. In his entire life, he never met one stranger. He came up and said, hey, have a seat. We sat down. We talked a while. Hey, I said, Dick, could I ask you a question? Go right ahead. Make yourself at home. I said, Dick, if you were to die today, do you know you'd go to heaven? He slid the chair back, leaned across the table. He said, I'm Roman Catholic. I was born Roman Catholic. I am Roman Catholic. I'm going to die Roman Catholic. They're having my service at the Catholic Church. He said, that is final. Well, I said, okay, thank you for that wonderful testimony. I said, now let me ask you, Dick, if you were to die, do you know you'd go to heaven? We're not talking church. We're talking heaven and hell. Do you know you'd go to heaven? Um, well, I can't really tell you I know I'd go to heaven. I said, Dick, can I show you from the Bible in about five minutes how you can know you're going to heaven? 
He said, okay, I got five minutes. I showed him four things. Number one, very simple, you can do this. Number one, we're all sinners, especially all carpet salesmen. Somebody say amen to that statement, all right? I said, now, you're on your way to hell because you're a sinner. Number two, my friend, you're a sinner because you've sinned. Number two, on the cross, Christ died for you. That does not save you. You have to personally accept him. Believing about Christ will not save you. Hell's full of people that believe about Christ. Your Bible says the demons believe about Christ. That's right. I said, now, number one, you're a sinner. You're on the way to hell. Number three, when Christ hung on Calvary, and Dick, you got to get a hold of this or you'll burn. I tried to be as nice as I could be, you know. I said, Dick, if you miss this, you're going to burn. I said, when Christ hung on Calvary, he didn't die for his sin. He died for your sin. I said, Dick, understand that. Not a priest, not a church, not a baptistry. It was Christ on the cross paid 100% what it takes for you to get saved. The Bible says, who is his own self. That means alone bore our sin in his body on the tree. I said, now, Dick, to become a Christian, what you must do is accept Christ. How do I do that? Romans 10, 13. Whosoever, I said, Dick, that even includes you. I said, Dick, that includes you, buddy. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, Dick, how about it? Right here, right now, will you pray with me and accept Christ? Like a flash, he jumped to his feet, reached in his front pocket. He pulled out a lot of water bills about that big around. Something like Pastor Randy carries him. He started going through that water bills. The smallest bill was a $50 bill. He gave it to the preacher. He said, uh, you guys go down the street, get coffee and donuts, and come back, okay? Glory to God. You don't do that. You don't do that. You don't turn a pastor loose with a $50 bill in a donut store. That's right. You don't do that. That's not common sense, all right? Listen, we didn't get $50 worth. We got plenty, brother. I'll tell you that right now. Now, we come back, opened the door, walked in. Dick walked out and said, hey, guess what happened to me? I said, suppose you tell me. He said, preacher, after you guys left, I got on my knees. I told Christ I had religion my whole life, but never received Christ. He said, preacher, in my office a few minutes ago, I personally accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. The pastor said, Dick, do you mean that? He said, preacher, I mean that with my whole heart. He said, good. Now, the Bible says, he that believeth on me will not be ashamed. That's what Jesus said. Dick, if you meant that, you'll come to church tonight. At the invitation, the close of the service, we sing a hymn. At that hymn, you walk down the aisle to make it public that today you got saved. How about it? What time's it start? 7 o'clock. I'll be there. We shook hands and left. Ready? That night at 6.20, we pulled in the church parking lot. There's a brand new, shiny, silver Lincoln Continental. Now, folks, I knew it had to be a visitor. A Baptist never drives a Lincoln Continental, okay? We drive old, rusty Fords. I knew it had to be a visitor. All of a sudden, the door opened. Dick got out and said, hey, let's get going. This is exciting. He said, we got inside. We got talking. And pretty soon, I knew Dick was saved. Why? Number one. He said, how do I get my wife saved? How do I get my kids saved? That's pretty good stuff. Okay. He got concerned about somebody else. Bible, Bible, huh? Yeah. Peter got saved. Why? Immediately. Andrew got saved. The first thing he did was went and tell his brother. Yeah. So I knew he got saved then. Number two, he got saved because he wanted to follow the Lord. Right? Now that night, Dick was the first one there. I knew he was saved, and I knew he'd become a Baptist. I was certain. How do you know that? We started at 7 o'clock. Ready? 
659. The total attendance is the pastor, myself, and Dick. That's it. But I knew Dick would become a Baptist. How do you know that? He went and sat down in the very last row, all the way against the wall. Buddy, if that isn't Baptist territory, I don't know what is. That's all there is to it. Now, there he said, okay. The crowd started coming in, and we had a decent crowd that night. At the close of the service, I said, okay, we're going to sing a song. You want to get saved? Come and tell the preacher. You've been saved, want to make it public? Come on down here. I said, let's stand and sing. Now, the problem was this. The church had a center aisle, and that was it. The pews went all the way to the wall. Here's Dick in the back, all the way over against the wall. I thought, what's he going to do? Now, all of a sudden, a woman come in late, a good-sized woman, huh? about seven axe handles across. Okay, she came in late and sat down in the two seats next to Dick. Now, when I give the invitation, Dick turned around, and he couldn't get through on the right. He couldn't make a few on the left. I saw him. He clumb over the back pew, went down the aisle, come down front, and when he got down front, he raised both hands and took charge of the service. He did. So today, that guy come to my, my, my place of business, Show me how to get saved. I accepted Christ. He said, I know right now, tonight, I'm going to heaven. Why? Not because of the religion I used to have, because now I have Jesus Christ as my Savior. Huh? Yeah. Now tell me nobody ever wants to get saved. Tell me my friends are Catholic. My friends are Methodist. The gospel is the power of God under salvation. It can destroy religion. Bring a man to his knees and draw him to Christ. It's the gospel that does that, my friend. I know religion can get you into heaven, not even the Baptist church. But my friend, God can save sinners wherever they are. Number one, the seeking Savior. Number two, we find the scared saints. Look in your Bible. Verse number seven. When they saw it, they all murmured. Now, those were Baptists. I can tell you that right now because Baptists are good at this murmuring stuff, okay? Hey, here they are. They should have been rejoicing. Man, hey, look, he got, no, no. They're not rejoicing. They're murmuring and complaining. Why? Because when somebody's backslidden, they don't care if folks get saved or not. They could care less. Here they are. Heaven's rejoicing. Christ has seen the travail of his soul dissatisfied. God Almighty is singing, the Bible says, when people get folk, God saves. The Holy Spirit was rejoicing. He done a great work. Oh, heaven's rejoicing, and here's some guys griping. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, well, maybe, oh, man. Oh, no, not again. Man, we've been here five minutes extra because these guys got saved. Let's get at it. Yeah. I've seen it happen. You've seen it happen. Yeah. God help us. Every time somebody walks the aisle, it's somebody's friend, somebody's relative, somebody's co-worker, some of us would give everything we ever had to have seen someone we love walk down that aisle before they died. But no, here are the belly acres, gripe them and complain them and criticizing. In 1961, the Indianapolis 500 race was about two-thirds of the way over. One section of temporary bleachers gave way, collapsed, and fell about two-thirds of the way to the ground. A reporter was there from the Indianapolis Star. Next day in his column, he wrote this true but sad story. When the bleachers gave way and went down, on the back row was his man, his wife, and their little daughter. When the bleachers gave way, the man and his wife were thrown off backward. <coughs> they hit the ground. They were both temporarily knocked unconscious. Pretty soon, 
Now, Dad got up and looked around and found his wife, and she was just kind of getting out of the groggy stage. They stood there. All of a sudden, frantically, they start looking for their daughter. They look everywhere, and they couldn't find her. And pretty soon in desperation, the man goes to the end of the fallen bleachers, looked at him. He saw his daughter. She was weeping and screaming and crying. Her leg had been caught between the walkway and the seat. As he looked in, he realized her leg was broken in three places. He quickly runs to the man nearby. Hey, my daughter's trapped. Please hurry. Help me. My daughter's trapped. The reporter said he couldn't believe it. Big, strong, burly, macho men pulled away. Sit there. Sip their beer. Watch the races. Nobody would help. Till eventually the rescues got there. When I read that, I thought, oh, God, that's a lot like the average Baptist church. It is. Try to get the average church member to go out and knock on the door, give somebody a track, give their testimony, try to keep somebody out of hell. The average church member rather sit home, pop his feet up, watch television, sip Pepsi, and say, yes, sir, I'll tell you, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's not true. Christ lived to get folks saved, died to get folks saved. And my friend, the disciple, does what, to him, what Christ did. He tries to get folks saved. Friend, this is a week. We're praying. We're trusting God. We want to see the power of God fall. I hope this week, my friend, you'll come. Oh, I hope you'll come. I appreciate that. I do. But more than that, I hope you'll bring somebody. Stay with it. Don't quit. Pray, invite, blackmail, kidnap, whatever you got to do, do it, my friend. But do what you can to keep somebody you know. Christ was a seeking Savior. I hope this week you'll be a seeking saint. Will you bow your head for prayer? As I preach tonight, God could have spoke to your heart in two ways. Number one, God could have tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, it's time to get out of the bleachers. Time to stop being a spectator. Time to let somebody else do the door knocking, the witnessing, and the sharing, and you just sit back and watch. No. No. Beside me carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease, while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas. Christianity has enough spectators. They need a participator in witnessing. I wouldn't know what to say. Give your testimony. Witnessing. Give them a track. Not only that, my friend, now follow me carefully here. Maybe as I preach tonight, God tapped you on the shoulder and brought somebody right to your mind you want to go invite. Will you do it? God doesn't play games about that. If God tapped you on the shoulder and said, go see so-and-so, give them your testimony, or invite them, go next door, 90 foot from your front door, huh? I know some of you folks say, boy, we love foreign missions. Well, thank God I do too. But hear me. You'll give money to foreign missions. You won't walk 90 foot to go to a neighbor's house and give them a track or invite them to revival, keep them out of hell. There's something wrong with that, something wrong with that. Friends don't let friends go to hell without trying to get them saved. If I was your friend and you claimed to be my friend and never told me how to be saved at the white throne judgment before I was cast into hell, I would cuss you sitting up there. I would cuss you and rail on you. We're not playing a game. 
Real friends don't let friends go to hell without making an effort to get them saved. With our heads bowed tonight, question number one, do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I, I'm not sure. You need to make sure. If you're wrong, there's no escape catch out of hell. With our heads bowed, who will say, Preacher, I'm not 100% sure I'm a Christian. Pray for me. I'd love to do that. If right now, quickly lift that hand up. Let me see it and put it down. I'm not really sure I'm a Christian. Pray for me. All right. Now, question number two, I'm talking to Christians. Preacher, God spoke to my heart tonight. There are two ways he could have done that. Number one, he could have brought somebody right to your mind, a co-worker, a relative, a family member, somebody you hunt with, fish with. But as I preached tonight, the Spirit of God brought someone right to your mind and said, that's the one, go get them. Or maybe Christ said, sit around long enough. It's time you got involved in witnessing, time you got involved in soul winning, time you went with somebody else out there and did some door knocking, did some giving out of tracks. With our heads bowed tonight, who will say, Brother Mark, I am a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven, but God spoke to my heart tonight. I need to get involved. I have a dear friend on the way to hell. I need to try to stop him with the gospel. Preacher, I'm a Christian. God dial my number. Pray for me. Could I see your hand right now? I want to pray for you. You do God's will. Wonderful, wonderful. Good, wonderful. Good, wonderful. Anybody else? Wonderful. That's great. That's great. That's wonderful. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Lord, thank you for meeting with us tonight. Father, may the Holy Ghost hammer this in our heart and our soul. May it become a burning reality. If need be, may it drive sleep from us. May it give us a holy determination back with the Holy Ghost. Not someday, but the Holy Spirit says, today, but tomorrow, maybe even on the way home tonight, we might stop and give someone a card and invite them to revival. God, make this a week not of spatial meetings, a week of harvest, a week that shakes the gates of hell, a week that causes heaven to rejoice. I want you to sit there, your head bowed, your eyes closed. In a minute, I'm going to have you stand. When I do, the instrument's going to play. Keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. You want to come and pray for yourself. You say, preacher, I know what I need to do, but it's not going to be easy. Listen to me. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't. If I was you, I'd get down here on my knees. I'd say, God, you ask a hard thing. I know I need to do it. Oh, God, please help me. Give me the boldness that I need to go out and do your will. Maybe God spoke to your heart tonight about a certain individual. You want to come and pray for them. Don't just pray for them. Pray for yourself that God might use you for the greatest privilege you'll ever have of leading that friend to Jesus Christ. That's the invitation. You want to come and pray for yourself for boldness and power? Do it. Don't be ashamed. Well, I'd be embarrassed to walk an aisle. You'll be more embarrassed, buddy. You sit back there and watch them damned on Judgment Day. Forget that embarrassment stuff. Say, I want to do something for God. You know what I'm asking. You want to come and pray? Do it. You want to sit and pray? Do it. But this isn't a game. What you do tonight affects somebody else. Maybe in heaven or hell forever. If God's speaking, obey immediately. Don't give the devil a chance. Get out of there. Obey immediately. Everybody right now, stand to your feet. Stand right up. Come on, stand up. Stand up. If God's speaking, come on right now. Get out of there and come on down. God bless you. Good. Who else? Come on. That's good. Amen. Who else? Come on. Your family, your friends, your coworkers. 
Come on, come on. Make that decision tonight. Do it tonight. I need to, then do it, friend. Come on. Don't hinder the Holy Ghost. Come on. Come on. Girls, settle down. Come on. How about it tonight? Do I come and pray? Do it. Do it. Don't say I can't do it. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Come on. Come on. People are praying. We'll wait on them. We'll wait on you. Come on. People are still praying. We're in no hurry. Stand there and pray. Pray for their service tomorrow night. Pray for people invited. They might come. Pray the power of God might be awesome in this crusade. Anybody else? Anybody else? Preacher, it's yours. God bless you, sir. Amen. Thank you, Jody. Thank you, folks, for being here tonight. We appreciate you coming uh, this evening. I hope you can come back through the week. And uh, again, as I said this morning, let's take that to heart. I think there was something in that message tonight for all of us. And uh, there's decisions that need to be made. I don't think there's any of us here tonight that say, you know, I've got things under control. I, I, the Lord wants us to take in our spiritual life. And the question is, will we be willing to do that uh, this week? So, but let, let God have his way and do take some cards, invite some folks out, encourage them to come uh, and whatever it takes. I mean, you know, if there's some that may be a little fearful, that's all, they can wear a mask. We're not, you know, that's, that's fine if they want to do that. And um, we'll take all the precautions we can. All right. Well, again, thank you and God bless you. Have a great uh, evening. Hopefully we'll see you uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Brother Jeff, if you would.